Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, September 14th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. And if you're a regular listener, you know that this is the point in each podcast episode where I give you a reason to go get some margaritas this weekend. Like, you need a reason to go get margaritas. But I try to give you an external reason why you should. You know, this weekend, it's 4th of July weekend. It's Christmas weekend. It's it's the beginning of summer. It's the uh, it's the beginning of fall. Whatever the case may be. I try to give you something to go out and celebrate with your margaritas. So here's this weekend's thing. This weekend, my wife and I get to go visit with our daughter Ashley, our son-in-law Ryan, and our two grandkids. People that we don't get to see very often because they live six hours away from us. And uh, with my hip and the situation I went through over the summer, uh, we haven't been able to see them since spring, since uh, back in May. So we are really looking forward to seeing everybody. And, and Ash, love you. Ryan, love you. But let's be honest. We really want to get down there to see the grandkids. I'm just busting balls. I'm just busting balls. We want to see everybody. Now, that's not the only reason, though. Well, you should go get yourself some margaritas. Because while we're down there visiting our daughter, son-in-law, and grandkids, we're going to get to see my cousin uh, and her husband, who we don't get to see very often, because once again, they live about six hours away from us. We get to see them about once a year. My cousin's kids, their kids, we're all going to be together for the first time ever this weekend. I'm introducing my daughter to my cousin and, and that uh, the, my family down in southern Indiana. Uh, for the first time ever, it's the first time we're all going to be uh, uh, at one place breaking bread at one time. It's going to be a, a, a very good weekend, I think. And if you need a little uh, a cherry on top of the reason cake, if you will, I get to go to my first professional football game ever this, this weekend. I am not somebody that's ever really pined to go to a professional football game. I like to walk around and yell and scream and get animated when I watch football. Uh, and, and the commentary that the, the TV announcers provide makes for a lovely backdrop. Uh, but I am actually looking forward to this football game uh, because my daughter got me these tickets for uh, my 50th birthday this year. Uh, so I will be in Indianapolis on Sunday watching the Jacksonville Jaguars play the Indianapolis Colts. Fingers crossed that the Colts come away with a W. A, I'd like to have a W for the first time I got to see my team play live. B, it's a division opponent. And C, uh, my Colts haven't been looking very good, so they need every fucking W they can get. But in a nutshell, there are multiple reasons that you have right there to go out, get yourself a pitcher of margaritas, and raise a glass in honor of moi this weekend. I get to see my daughter. I get to see my grand, my son-in-law. I get to see my grandkids. I get to see my cousin, uh, my cousin's kids, that whole side of the family down there. I get to go to my first football game. The whole shoot mix. It's going to be a lot of shit jammed into one weekend. So head out this weekend. Get yourself a pitcher of margaritas on my behalf and get fucking tanked. I suggest multiple frozen and strawberry. Um... Real quickly, before we get into the stuff we're going to talk about this week, uh, let me do the housekeeping that I do every week. 
Uh, this is for new people that are finding uh, the podcast for the first time. And I'm not lying to you when I say this. The numbers on the podcast literally go up every week. We, we just keep ticking up every week. My, my analytics keep rising. So there are new people coming into the fold each and every week. And I do appreciate it. If you are new to this podcast, if you're finding me for the very first time, there are a couple of notes that you need to know. First, this is an amateur podcast. Don't get all worked up if you hear my dogs bark, if you hear something in the background that you're not supposed to hear. I'm not doing this in a studio. I don't have a, 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 a professional editor, mixer, or producer. I'm in my home office. I got a fan in the window so I don't hotbox the goddamn office. It is what it is. Just roll with it. It's not meant to be a finished, polished, professional product. The second thing you should know if you're finding me for the very first time is the name of my website. Because if you're finding me for the first time, chances are you haven't found my website yet. And that would be oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippiemedia.com. There you're going to find damn near anything you want to know about me. You're going to find my blog, links to where you can follow me on the various social media sites. By the way, I got my Instagram account back, so go follow it. I only have a, a 300 followers on there so far because it's a new account, but go follow it. Uh, link to my merch store. I have over 400 items that you can choose from uh, in my merch store. Uh, links on where you can buy my first two books. I have two self-published books entitled Dearest Renee, The Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020, and A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead. Those are available in paperback and ebook formats. You're going to find a link on where you can book me on Cameo to do video shout-outs to people that you want. And last but not least, you're going to find a link on where you can subscribe to my Patreon subscription service. Uh, if you like this podcast, chances are you're going to like my other podcast, which is on Patreon. I do this podcast every Friday, and it's free, but I do bonus podcast episodes every other Tuesday. They can only be heard on Patreon, and I get a lot more personal. It's a non-political podcast. I tell stories from my own personal past. That, that is, once again, over on Patreon uh, for $4.20 a month, less than 5 bucks a month. Uh, link is, once again, at my, uh, at my website, Old Hippie. Media.com. Sorry, I was getting a text message as I was saying that, and I uh, glanced down at my phone. i got to learn not to do that while I'm recording. Bad time, bad time. Anyway, now that we've done the advertisement, the uh, ye old pimping, if you will, we're going to go ahead and get into the news stories this week. And as we do every week in uh, the football season, I, I do football first, political news stories next, uh, second. Uh, last week, I went 11-4, and four, my best week picking football so far. Uh, that brings my season record so far to 38-36-1. Back on the positive side, bitches. <sighs> it's going to be a long season. All right, uh, notes from last week. Uh, last week saw my Colts uh, win, which is important. Every win is important. You gotta, or you gotta notch the W's when you can. But uh, it was a win in what is quite possibly, or what was quite possibly, the worst NFL game ever played. Definitely the worst ever played on Thursday night. The teams combined for no touchdowns, seven field goals, a blocked field goal, six hundred 
1,281 yards of combined total offense, 15 penalties, 12 punts, 6 fumbles, 4 interceptions, and 10 sacks. They were a combined 0 for 6 in the red zone, and the Colts won 12 to 9 in overtime. Damn. <laughs> That's hot garbage. Hot garbage. Holy shit. What a fucking shit game. No touchdowns, seven field goals, a block field goal, 681 yards of total offense, 681 yards? Are you fucking shitting me? You got Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson on the field at the same time, and you come up with 680? The Sisters of the Blind could come up with 700 yards of total offense. Jesus, fuck. And yeah, that game went to overtime. It wasn't bad enough that everybody had to sit through that game. They had to sit through an overtime session on top of it. Worst game ever played. I'll take the W because we need them, but God damn. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Almost as brutal as the refs this past weekend. We saw horrendous calls in the wake of the Tua injury in uh, Miami in the forms of roughing the passer calls on simple tackles. I mean, basic, simple, nothing wrong with them tackles. But because of what happened to Tua in Miami, now they're going to go over the top in overcorrecting. The NFL needs to get their hands around that shit post-haste. The Chargers had horrible end-of-game decision-making when they went for it in plus territory down late when a field goal could beat them. They did, however, escape with the win when their opponents kicked that field goal wide of the mark. Uh, Nothing is worse. Nothing than knowing that all you need is one field goal to win the game and your boy can't pull it off. Now, it's bad enough when it goes wide right or wide left, because like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude, you weren't even close. But it really hurts deep down when they're almost there and they doink it off the uprights. I'm looking at you Bears fans. You think that was bad? (laughs) The Cardinals spike the ball, costing themselves a chance for a more makeable field goal. It was third down. They spiked the ball. <clears throat> Making it fourth down. Can't run another play. You gotta trot your kicker onto the field at that point in time. And of course, what happens? That kicker missed that field goal from that distance. You gotta have better clock management. You gotta have better game situation awareness. And I'm just going to end, before I give you this week's picture to go wrong, I'm going to end with one last story out of the NFL, and that is that the London games have started again, playing games over in London. And now uh, the NFL commissioner is talking about having a four-team division in Europe with London hosting two of those teams. And my only response to that is the same response I give you every year when the London games start, and that is stop it. 
It is never going to work. You are never going to have a successful division in Europe. If you want to create a European league, fine. If you want to have international teams, Canada and Mexico are right here. You could make something happen. You are never going to have a successful division in Europe. The time frame, the, the time difference alone is going to kill your schedule. Stop it. Stop it. Put a team in Mexico City, put a team in Toronto, boom, you're international. Jesus fuck, how does this still need to be explained to you fucking idiots at the NFL? Stop it. You're never going to have an actual NFL division in Europe that's going to succeed. Having said that, let's move on to this week's picks. Uh, If you are new here, I do not pick the Thursday game. I record my podcast on Thursday. For example, it is 8.52 a.m. on Thursday morning. But you don't hear the podcast until it airs on Friday. So I don't even want the hint of impropriety. Therefore, I do not pick the Thursday games. So, without the Thursday games, or the Thursday game this week, the rest of this week's winners will be the 49ers, Patriots, Packers, Vikings, Bengals, Giants, Bucks, Rams, Seahawks, Chiefs, Eagles, Chargers, and I am going to take my Colts at home against the division rival Jaguars in the first NFL game that I'm going to get to see live, so God damn it, play well! <coughs> Sorry if I just busted your eardrums out on that one. We're done talking about football. Don't worry about it. It's over. My wife listens to this podcast every week and then just sits there and prays for the football segment to be over with. Although I don't know that she's going to be listening to it this Friday because we have a six-hour drive in the car. I don't like listening to my own podcast. So unless she throws the headphones in and ignores me for an hour, she's not going to hear it in the car ride down. (sighs) Moving on. Uh... We're going to now get into the actual news stories of this week, and I want to start with some good news. It's always dark, gloomy, bad news, Uh, but there's good news today, all right? Uh, A lawsuit that was filed against Alec Jones by uh, multiple Sandy Hook families up in Connecticut has netted another judgment against Jones, this time for just over $900 million. I believe it's actually like over $960 million dollars. Doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make you get the tinglys all over? So if you take the take into consideration the case he already lost in Texas and had a judgment filed against him there, and now the case he lost up here in Connecticut, he's into the Sandy Hook families for well over a billion dollars at this point in time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want something that just brightens your day uh, on a Friday afternoon, on, on a crisp Friday, uh, a, a fall afternoon, then let me just leave you leave this story uh, with this last statement here, okay? Alex Jones is going to die penniless and broke. Yeah, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? I, I I can't think of 
a better ending to such a disgusting and despicable human being. Alex Jones, if you happen to listen to my podcast today, welcome to the find out portion of the fuck around and find out show, you fucking jag off piece of shit cocksucker. Every fucking dime you ever make for the rest of your miserable fucking life is going to go to the families that you disparaged, that you tortured, that you uh, assaulted with your words for years. And you deserve every ounce of it, you motherfucker. Fuck you and everything you stand for, Alex Jones. In more good political news this week, Tulsi Gabbard has announced that she's leaving the Democrat Party. Let me read you her words exactly, okay? Quote, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness. Pause the, uh, the statement for a moment. Notice how she sprinkles in those conservative talking points. Warmongers and uh, driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism, actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms, are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, demonize the police and protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, believe in... (laughs) open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to a nuclear war. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, I invite you to join me, she said on Twitter. And the transformation to a Republican that we all saw coming for years is now complete. Well, I mean, we all saw it except for Bernie and his supporters, who were actively uh, open about their support of this conservative piece of shit that we've all known was never a real Democrat. Tulsi Gabbard has always been a Putin and Assad apologist. She goes on Fox News and she spews her propaganda and her bullshit. And when she's no longer in office, when she realizes she doesn't have to win an election in a blue state anymore and she's trying to pimp her new podcast... She finally does what she should have done years ago, which was leave the Democratic Party because she doesn't give a fuck about Democratic ideals. So let's look at this. She can no longer be a part of a party that is under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness. Okay, who's more elitist than Donald Trump, honey? That's first. Warmongers, you know what? I'll give you that one. The Democrats are a little bit too war hawkish 
for my liking. So I'll give you that one. Wokeness is cowardly. You think it's cowardly to stand up for what you believe in and put a target on your back for assholes like you to come after somebody? That's not cowardly. That's brave. Divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism. Uh, Racializing every issue? What the fuck are you talking about? The people that like to racialize issues are the people that uh, always seem to not have a problem when a black person gets shot, but never seem to see the justification in a white person getting shot, and then say, well, I don't see color. There's your racializing stuff. They always have a problem when a black person does something, but never has a problem when a white person does something. And I got news for you. Anti-white racism isn't a fucking thing. If you want to talk about anti-white bigotry, then you could talk about something. Anti-white racism is impossible. Racism is bigotry with the power to oppress. People of color do not have and are not going to have in the near future the power to oppress white people. They can be bigoted towards white people. That's one thing. But they can't be racist towards white people. That doesn't exist. You got to understand the words you're actually saying. You got to understand the definitions behind them before you say them. Anti-white bigotry, you'd have something to talk about. Anti-white racism shows you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms. Really? Who tried to end the democratic uh, uh, process here in the United States? Who tried to... Uh, for w- once and for all, end the peaceful transfer of power and allow our votes to be counted for what they are. That would be the new party that you just joined, honey, the Republicans. Are hostile to people of faith and spirituality. Really? Who put a religious test to get into this country in place? That would be Trump. That would be the Republicans. Demonize the police and protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans. Really, who beat the fuck out of the police on the steps of the Capitol building? Who's the one actively working against the FBI right now? And who's the one protecting a criminal former president? Believe in open borders. You got us there. We do. Because we don't, we don't give a fuck that... Uh, somebody drew an imaginary line on a map years ago. If people are going hungry and they need work, they should be able to get into this country. You got us there. (coughs) Weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents? You ever heard the phrase, lock her up, you dumb fuck? And dragging us ever closer to a nuclear war. Did Democrats make Putin invade Ukraine? Did Democrats make Putin go into a war so woefully unprepared that he got his fucking ass kicked and now he's talking about using nukes? Tulsi Gabbard uh, is an asset of the Republican Party in this country. She has been for years. And how the fuck the people of Hawaii didn't see it sooner is absolutely beyond me. 
But thankfully, she's no longer in office, and the only way that she can harm this country now is by spewing her bullshit into a microphone for her podcast. And this is a way for her to help bolster those uh, those listeners. Because now she's just going to completely and utterly lean into the MAGA skid in hopes that she can make her money off of that dumbass crowd the way everybody else has made their money off of that dumbass crowd. Best of luck to you, Tulsi. Just don't ever bother coming back to the Democratic Party. You are no longer welcome here. You're, you really never were, but at least you're out now. Get fucked, stay fucked. Speaking of getting fucked and staying fucked, you want to talk about being fucked by your elected officials. Republicans have actually introduced a bill to raise your prescription drug prices. No, I'm not joking. I now read to you from The Hill. Senate Republicans on Friday introduced a bill that would roll, this was last Friday, that would roll back the drug pricing reforms included in the sweeping Inflation Reduction Act, including the measures allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices and capping annual drug expenses for many seniors. They want to repeal that. And this is a targeted effort. This isn't an attempt to repeal the whole of the bill. They're targeting this section of the bill. Republican Senators James Langford of Oklahoma, Mike Lee of Utah, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, and, surprise, surprise, Marco Rubio of Florida, introduced the Protecting Drug Innovation Act on Friday of last week, saying they wanted to pull back government authority over the prices of drugs covered by Medicare. The Inflation Reduction Act was passed and signed into law in August with no Republicans voting for it. The bill allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices for the first time in the program's history. And they don't like that. It also placed a $2,000 out-of-pocket cap on annual drug costs for seniors on Medicare, as well as a $35 monthly cap for insulin. And like I said, they don't like that. Quote, prescription drug prices are too high for many critical drugs, which demonstrates the need for more competition and more options for consumers, Lankford said. What? Prescription drug prices are too high, so you don't want to rein in those costs? You want to let the drug manufacturers who have driven driven those drug prices too high be free to continue to do so? Lankford continued, unfortunately, the Democrats' new government drug price control in their so-called Inflation Reduction Act creates even more barriers to effectively bringing down the cost of prescriptions, particularly for senior adults on Medicare. In his own statement, Lee argued that, quote, price controls never work, end quote. Instead, they exasperate the problem they seek to resolve, mandating Fixed prescription drug prices will ultimately result in the shortening of American lives, the Utah senator said. Guys, how do you think the prescription drug prices got to be so out of control? 
They got to be so out of control because prescription drug country, companies could set them wherever they wanted to set them. Now you're saying, but we should just continue to trust them. It's all going to work out eventually. If passed, the bill states it would make uh, make it so that the drug pricing measures in the Inflation Reduction Act, quote, had never been enacted, end quote. Democrats who have been campaigning off the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act have continuously warned that Republicans will seek to repeal the sweeping cost reduction package if they take back control of Congress. President Biden echoed these warnings earlier last Friday, saying, quote, they're saying they're going to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act if they gain control of Congress. Let's be crystal clear what that means. If Republicans take over Congress, it means the power we just gave Medicare to negotiate drug prices goes away and prices go back up. Now, why the fuck would any senator be against Medicare being able to negotiate their prices? Could it be that they're getting a fuck ton of money from Big Pharma? Less than a month before the midterms and Republicans are on record as saying you should pay more for your prescription drugs. They're saying that the people who have been fucking you on your prescription drug prices for years should just continue to be trusted because eventually they'll do the right thing. Remember that when you walk into a voting booth. That's what Republicans want to do. Republicans want to make sure you pay more for insulin. They want to make sure you pay more for the pills you take in the morning and at night. They want to make sure that Medicare can't negotiate their uh, their prices. Because they're getting rich off of Big Pharma. That's the Republican Party of 2022. Vote accordingly. Moving on to domestic terrorism news, the Oath Keepers went on trial for their role in the January 6th conspiracy this past week. I now read to you from Reuters. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes and four other defendants linked to the far-right group are on trial for charges of seditious conspiracy and other felonies arising from the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol by then-President Donald Trump's supporters. Here is a look at the defendants and the charges they face. Stuart Rhodes, age 57, of Granbury, Texas, is a former U.S. Army paratrooper turned Yale University-educated lawyer. He is the founder and leader of the Oath Keepers, which U.S. officials have described as an anti-government group. Rhodes says it's a nonpartisan group whose members include current and former military, police, and emergency service personnel have pledged to uphold the Constitution. Really? Really? You, you pledged to uphold the Constitution by denying the peaceful transfer of power? That's news to me. Rhodes and his co-defendants are accused of conspiring to stop the peaceful transfer of power uh, in a failed bid to block Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's victory over Trump in the 2020 election. Rhodes and other defendants face a rarely prosecuted charge of seditious conspiracy, a felony carrying a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and defined as attempting to overthrow 
put down or destroy by force the government of the United States. He and the other defendants also face charges that include obstruction of an official proceeding and tampering with documents. Rhodes and the others have pleaded not guilty. According to the indictment, Rhodes began encouraging his Oath Keeper followers in November 2022 to, quote, oppose by force the lawful transfer of presidential powers, end quote. Trump has made false claims that the election was stolen from him through widespread voting fraud, and Rhodes set up a chat on an encrypted messaging app, Signal, in which members planned to go to the Capitol on January 6th when Congress was scheduled to certify Biden's victory, according to the indictment. Rhodes spent thousands of dollars on firearms and related equipment before and after Jan 6, the indictment stated. He entered restricted Capitol grounds on January 6, directed Oath Keeper members by text and telephone on what positions to take up around the building, and continued plotting with co-conspirators after the attack, according to the indictment. His attorneys have said he will take the stand and testify on his own behalf later in the trial, and I can't wait for that. One of his co-defenders is Thomas Caldwell, 68, of Berryville, Virginia. He helped coordinate preparation for what Oath Keepers Keepers called a Quick Reaction Force, or QFR, QRF, sorry, uh, teams, which were ready to rapidly transport weapons into Washington from just outside the city to support operations around the Capitol, according to that uh, same indictment. The indictment said Caldwell, a retired U.S. Navy lieutenant commander who once worked for the FBI, took a reconnaissance trip to Washington in November of 2020, chose a hotel in suburban Arlington, Virginia, as the Quick Reaction Force's base of operations, and mapped routes to the Capitol from the hotel. During the January 6th attack, Caldwell joined with others in pushing past barricades and climbing stairs and a balcony in a restricted area on the west side of the Capitol building. Caldwell has denied he was a member of the Oath Keepers, but prosecutors have said he has strong ties to the group. His wife is expected to take the stand later in the trial to assist with his defense. Another defendant is Kelly Meggs, 53, of Dunnellan, Florida. She was the head of the Florida chapter of the Oath Keepers and led a first group of members into the Capitol on January 6th. Meggs and other Oath Keeper members uh, man, many were wearing paramilitary clothing and patches with Oath Keepers insignias, uh, marched in an organized military fashion up the east steps of the Capitol and stormed through a heavy set of doors into the building alongside the mob. Of course, then we also have Kenneth Harrelson, 41, of Titusville, Florida, who helped Megs in organizing the Florida Oath Keepers and was part of the militia group that stormed into the Capitol building, according to the indictment. These members pushed forward as part of a mob that, quote, assaulted law enforcement officers guarding the doors, threw objects, and sprayed chemicals toward the officers and the doors, and pulled violently on the doors, according to the indictment. Harrelson and others later moved toward the House of Representatives chamber in search of Speaker Nancy Pelosi, but did not find her, thankfully. Then, of course, we have Jessica Watkins, 40, of Woodstock, Ohio. She led the Ohio team of Oath Keepers at the Capitol on January 6th, according to the indictment. The Afghanistan war veteran charged into the building with other members and commanded those around her to push against a line of officers guarding the hallway to the Senate chamber before retreating when officers used their chemical spray. 
Meggs, Harrelson, and Watkins also face charges of destruction of government property due to the damage done at the Capitol building, according to that very same indictment. Her attorney has told the jury that Watkins, a transgender woman, has always struggled to fit in, and her actions that day are a reflection of that. Previous Oath Keeper defendants, Joshua James, Brian Ulrich, and William Todd Wilson, pleaded guilty this year to engaging in seditious conspiracy in connection to the attack. They are waiting, awaiting sentencing and could potentially be called as witnesses at the trial for these Oath Keepers. Four other Oath Keeper defendants also charged with seditious conspiracy, conspiracy are due to go on trial later in November. So what does all of this tell us? Well, first it tells us there, there are some very violent and dangerous people living in the United States of America, and we need to keep our head on a swivel because they live and vote among us. The other thing that this tells us is that it was a coordinated effort by some of Trump's most ardent supporters. They were planning a violent overthrow of the United States government. There is no doubt about that. But what it also tells us is that we need to do a deep dive in how we recruit for our military. You see how many veterans were in that? If these are the kinds of people that are in uniform uh, for our armed services, we are in fucking trouble, folks. We are in big fucking trouble. Excuse me while I take a hit, because God damn. Our military, our first responders, our men and women in uniform on all levels are attracting some of the worst that we have to offer. We need to do a better job of screening that shit out. These people are fucking nuts. They all need to be... Personally, I hope they all get to 20 years and we lock all of them up. We, we need to send a fucking message. But more so to the point, these people should be stripped forever of their ability to own a gun and vote in an election. Forever. Now, I'm a big proponent that once you've done your time, you get, you get charged and indicted and convicted of a felony and you've done your time, you should get your ability to vote back. Not if you tried to take away other people's votes. Not if you tried to end the American experiment. When it comes to this case, they should be at a minimum denied the right to vote and carry a gun ever again. And at a maximum, we should figure out a way to strip them of their citizenship and kick them out of the fucking country. They don't want to be part of the United States of America as it currently exists? Then get the fuck out. Pack your shit, get on a fucking plane, and leave. Trust me, you won't be missed, motherfucker. This was a coordinated effort in the name of Donald Trump. Make no mistake about it. Speaking of Trump... I told you last week that Trump is asking the Supreme Court to intervene on his behalf in the documents case. 
and that that was going to test our institutions. Well, the DOJ has responded. To bring you up to speed, former Donald Trump filed an emergency request last Tuesday asking the Supreme Court to intervene in the case involving the classified records kept at Mar-a-Lago after he left office. He's now asking, uh, Trump's legal team asked the court uh, to allow a special master to review the classified documents from the federal agents uh, that were seized from Trump's estate. Uh, they, they granted a special master, a lot of shit, a lot of moving parts. Anyway, Trump is now going to the Supreme Court or attempting to go to the Supreme Court to uh, get to, get his buddies to intervene for him. Well, the Department of Justice has responded. Several days after the FBI searched Trump's Florida property, a receipt of recovered items showed that uh, agents found a trove of top-secret, highly classified documents. Federal agents removed 11 sets of classified documents. The document, the Justice Department has now urged the Supreme Court to reject Trump's request to allow a third-party arbiter. What the Department of Justice is essentially saying is that, uh, A, these are our documents, so nobody should get to fucking have them. They're right. B, we've gone through this shit, and Trump's trying to delay, which they're right. And C, and this is the more important thing, even the special master doesn't have the proper clearance to see all the fucking classified documents. The Department of Justice is arguing that the government will be irreparably harmed by their disclosure and the former president has no claim over the records in question. They said this in a 32-page filing by Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogger. I hope I said that right. So we are going to see where the Supreme Court comes down on not just the guy who appointed three of them, but where they come down on the side of this country's deepest security secrets. Where do they come down on national security? Can just anybody see this shit? Or do we have some semblance of national security uh, protocol in this country? The Supreme Court now has to decide. Oh, by the way, in that same documents case, the investigative agencies that are looking into the whole document uh, case it now have a member of Trump's staff at Mar-a-Lago that has come forward and has offered corroborating testimony and, if I read correctly, the actual surveillance footage from Mar-a-Lago showing... Donald Trump ordering them to move those classified documents from one location to another after he had been subpoenaed for them. One could say he acid-washed them after he was subpoenaed for them. Every single thing this guy accuses somebody else of doing, he does himself. Think about the progression of excuses. There's no documents in my house. Oh, those documents? They must have planted those documents. I didn't have those documents. Yeah, I had those documents, but I declassified those documents. Wait a minute. You can't You can't tell me I was in the wrong for having classified documents. Every other president has taken classified documents. To Now we're down to, it, it doesn't matter. Those are my documents. They just give them back. 
Can't buy your way out of this one, Donnie. Can't do it. Now, whether or not Trump tests our institutions by seeing the Supreme Court actually take up his case uh, are secondary at this point in time when it comes to Supreme Court news because the Supreme Court has, in fact, lost all legitimacy. It lost its legitimacy when it was stolen, and we have three sitting members of the Supreme Court sitting in essentially three stolen seats. But it has really shed any semblance of credibility and legitimacy this week when it refused to hear a personhood case. The Supreme Court declined on Tuesday to wade into the so-called fetal personhood debate, deciding not to take up a case out of Rhode Island on whether or not fetuses should have constitutional rights. A Catholic group and two pregnant women wanted to sue on behalf of the women's unborn fetuses. But the Rhode Island Supreme Court, citing Roe v. Wade, said in May that they didn't have the legal right to bring the case. The challengers urged the Supreme Court to step in and take the case after it overturned Roe in June. But the court declined to do so without comment. So, You have a 6-3 Supreme Court that decided it was incumbent upon them to strip away federal protections for a person's right to bodily autonomy, a person's right to get an abortion, because they believe abortion is murder. And in the wake of that ruling, in the wake of overturning Roe v. Wade, A shit ton of states have enacted anti-abortion laws. All of those laws, every single anti-abortion law on the books in the country is based on the notion that a fetus is a person. And now the Supreme Court won't hear a case to determine whether or not that's actually right. So why? Why won't the Supreme Court hear this case? Well, some people will tell you it's because of the midterms. I don't believe that for a second. This this fucking Supreme Court doesn't give a shit about the midterms. If they did, they wouldn't have heard the Roe case until after the midterms. It's because they have painted themselves into a corner on this entire issue. If they take up the case and they determine that a fetus is in fact a person, officially viewed as a person in the eyes of the Supreme Court in the United States of America, and therefore is entitled to constitutional rights and protections, then a whole lot of different things can happen. For one, insurance companies would have to pay out on life insurance policies for a fetus because you should be able to get a life insurance policy on a fetus. Insurance companies don't want any part of that. If a person becomes pregnant and they have a human being with constitutional rights inside of them, they can start collecting child support. Men don't want no part of that. Those are just two examples. Just two. Of the thousands of ramifications that come could come as 
a result of the Supreme Court officially deeming a fetus to be a person. But if they take the case and say, you know what, because of all of that ramification, because of all of that shit, we're not going to say that a fetus is a person, then what they're saying is a fetus isn't actually a person, and all of these anti-abortion laws become null and void because they're all based on the idea of a fetus being a person that can be murdered. If it's not a person, it can't be murdered. If it can't be murdered, it can't be illegal to kill it. conservatives have really backed themselves into a corner. They want to tell you that they believe that that's an actual person inside you. They want to tell you that terminating that pregnancy is actually akin to murdering an actual live person. They want to tell you that that fetus inside you, that that organism inside you is deserving of rights, but they don't want to go on the record as saying so because they know if they do, they are opening up Pandora's box. And that proves to you two things. One, that the Supreme Court has zero legitimacy to it whatsoever. And two, that this was never about protecting unborn life. This was never about protecting the babies. This was about control. Always and forever. If they stood on their convictions and stood for what they've been spewing for the last 50 fucking years, they would have taken up that case and declared fetuses as people with constitutional rights. They don't want to do that because they know they're dead fucking meat if they do. The We have an illegitimate Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has no legitimacy anymore. And that is, yeah, that's a crisis in this country. When you have a Supreme Court that is putting forth rulings that the people in the country no longer view as legitimate, sooner or later, you're going to get people in this country going, yeah, we don't care what you say. We're going to do what we want. Fuck you. And then the Supreme Court becomes null and void. And I don't know how you get that back once that happens. But that's where we're at right now. We're on the verge of people in this country going, Fuck you. We don't care what you say. We're gonna, what are you going to do? Are you going to send fucking federal agents to come arrest me? Fuck you. The Supreme Court puts out rulings. They don't have any kind of enforcement mechanism. It's not like Clarence Thomas can send some agents to your abortion clinic to arrest you. So the more they lose legitimacy, the more they lose the trust of the American people, the closer we get to the American people going, yeah, we don't give a fuck what you say. Fuck you. Go ahead, sit in your little room with your robes and make your fucking decisions. We're not listening. It's a bad spot to be in, folks. It's a bad spot to be in. But I'm actually going to end this week's conversation, not with a political story, but with a conversation that's been happening over on TikTok, on my page, okay? It's a subject that I've discussed previously on this podcast, as well as on my other social media platforms, as well as uh, uh, on other people's podcasts. But the conversation keeps coming up on TikTok over and over and over and over again. So we're going to have a little bit of a conversation here. 
excuse me while I take a hit in preparation of this conversation. All right. There is a segment of our society on the far left in the United States of America that believe it is evil for business owners to make a profit. That if a business owner makes any kind of a profit whatsoever, that that is exploitation. And that, boys and girls, is fucking stupid. There is a growing movement of predominantly younger people in this country. Um, And I hate to sound like the old geezer of the group, but it's always the younger generation that have no fucking clue how the world works. And so they run their fucking mouths and look like fucking idiots. And here we are again. Uh, There's a segment of the younger population in this country that believes that business owners are evil. And the problem that they have is that they keep conflating, uh, like, Walmart CEOs and, and, and uh, fucking Elon Musk and the Ford family with your mom and pop business owners in your local town. They believe all businesses are evil and all profit is exploitation uh, because they have no fucking clue what they're talking about. They believe that the workers should, quote unquote, seize the means of production. My first response to that is, motherfucker, try. I fucking dare you. Try to come take what I've built that I plan on leaving behind for my kids, and you're going to need a fucking doctor. As a matter of fact, you're going to need a fucking team of surgeons to put your ass back together again. But more importantly, why do you feel like you're entitled to my profits? Did you put your money on the line? Did you go out and form a business entity and put thousands of your dollars into a bank account and say, let's go try and make some money? No, you didn't. But yet you feel like you're entitled to my profits. Well, suck my fucking dick. You aren't entitled to jack fucking shit. You want the spoils of being a business owner? Then go start your own fucking business. You want what somebody else has built? You want what you want to take what somebody else has? You can line up to suck my sweaty fucking ball sack. You can tongue my fucking taint until you lose feeling in your face before I'll give you shit from my profits. See, these people feel that business owners are quote-unquote exploiting their workers because the workers produce the labor to make the money. Thinking that there's some pool of labor out there that's just out there toiling away, making things, doing labor to generate income for nothing, and then along comes a business owner and steals that. 
The workers can't produce the labor to generate the revenue until the business owner takes the risk to create the company, you dumb fucks. Just like the business owner can't get the revenue that's generated without the labor. It's a symbiotic relationship, you fucking momos. But somebody has to take the risk. Somebody has to put their time, effort, and assets on the line in order to create the job for the laborer to work in. What you want is to do nothing with your life. Sit back and wait for other people to take the risk. Wait for other people to put their neck on the line. Wait for other people to put their money on the line in order to go create jobs so that you can then come and say you're entitled to their profits. That's what you want. You're a lazy, do-nothing-with-your-life piece of dog shit wanting to take from other people. I mean, people this week tell me you're not entitled to more than what your workers make. And here's the stupid part about it, right? They don't even realize who they're talking to when they say that. My business model is such that every driver that works for me makes more off of the truck that they drive than we do. We make more collectively by putting more trucks on the road. But each and every truck that we ever put on the road, we will make less off of the loads that are run by that truck than the driver who's in it. But I'm exploiting my driver. It shows you... This far left man, this is the same group of people on the far left who are self-proclaimed communists because they're too fucking young and too fucking green to understand that communism is a fucking pipe dream. Doesn't fucking work. They read something on paper. They're like dealing with designers and engineers. With all due respect to designers and engineers. I was in landscaping for 26 years. All right, I was in production. I was in the field doing the work just something else we'll touch on here in a moment and what we would get is we would get packets for our jobs where a design was done for the landscape by a designer in an office and yeah that design looks fucking great on paper when you get out into the real world and you try to apply what's been put on paper to the real world sometimes it doesn't always work It doesn't translate that way. That's what's going on today with young people and communism. They read something in a book that sounds great to them. Hey, everybody is equal. Nobody is above anybody else. There are no classes. Everybody owns equal amounts of everything. Nobody can exploit anybody else. It's utopia. Hey, Dumbasses, if you think that was a possibility, don't you think it would have already fucking happened? At some point in some corner of the world? There is a reason why the hippie communes of the 60s didn't make it. Because it's a fucking pipe dream.
but because young people who don't know jack fucking shit about the world around them read it in a book, all of a sudden, that's the way to go. So now they think that the business owners should give up ownership of their companies to their workers, give up their profit to their workers. What they don't want to answer, what they don't want to take into consideration is what happens then? Let's say all the business owners in the United States of America gave up the ownership of their companies to their workers. Then what? Who's making the decisions? Who's paying the insurance? Who's paying for the permits? Who's paying for the property taxes? Who's keeping the lights on? Who's making payroll? Who's determining raises? Who's making decisions for the company? You're just going to have a a, a group vote on everything? Going to have the whole commune come together and everybody cast a ballot on each and every decision? That's impractical. Never going to work. No, we'll just put Bob in charge of this and Bill in charge of that. Oh, so now we are moving people back up into positions. It never fucking works. Just because you read it in a book doesn't mean it's actually practical and is realistic. So, going back to the conversation that's been happening on TikTok, what I keep hearing a lot of is, uh, I don't give a shit about workers. Business owners don't give a shit about the workers. We're exploiting the workers. You'd know this if you were a worker. Well, bitch, how the fuck do you think we got the money to to start a company, the capital to take the risk? By being fucking workers! For years, decades, actually. And saving the money to go take the risk. The people on the far left who are buying 100% into this uh, communism is the way to go, Profit is exploitation. Landlords are evil. Billionaires shouldn't exist. These people on the far left are almost as clueless as the extremists on the far right. And you know what I really find amusing? When I get somebody telling me that profit is exploitation, capitalism is evil, and then I find out that they have a merch store. giving your profits to somebody else? You're not making any money off of that? And when I say making any money off of that, I mean once you make the money that you put into it, you're not making anything after that? You're not paying your bills with that? Bullshit. Bullshit. You're a capitalist too. You're just a failed capitalist. You're a capitalist that couldn't make it work, and so therefore, you're bitching about the capitalist that did make it work. What you're really really telling people is, I couldn't be you, so I need to take what you have. Because it's not fair that I didn't make it. Well, fuck you. Try not to suck in the future. 
Sorry to be so fucking harsh, but that's the way I got to look at people who think that they're entitled to my fucking profit. You think you're owed a piece of my profit? Choke on my fucking cock. Fucking people disgust me. Disgust me. I actually had somebody this week tell me that the workers take more of a risk than the people who put up the capital. You out of your fucking mind. You out of your fucking mind. By the time all of this is said and done, my wife and I are going to be into this company out of our own pocket about eighty, maybe ninety thousand dollars cash. Not one of our drivers will have that kind of investment tied up into anything that they got going with us. And our driver is fucking spectacular. I hope one day we've got 30 fucking trucks on the road and I'm paying him a fat fucking salary to manage that fucking fleet. But the fact remains, he doesn't have anywhere close to 80 grand tied up in this company. He doesn't have five grand tied up in this company. That's the way a business model works. The owner puts up the capital. The owner takes the risk. The worker agrees to work for the owner. That's how it works. You dumb fucks. Ignorant fucking 20-something-year-old assholes who think they know everything about the fucking world when they don't know their ass from a fucking hole in the ground. You motherfuckers wouldn't know a pile of dog shit from a can of Shinola. You don't know shit. Call me when you grow up and realize how the world works, you dumb motherfuckers. I'm sorry for being so fucking harsh about this, but Jesus fucking Christ, man. It's unfuck. All the fucking time I worked for other people, 20 fucking years in the landscape industry, working for other companies, companies that brought in millions of dollars. I For almost 10 years, I worked for a company that did about 15 million a year. And from there, I went to a company that did about 20 to 25 million a year. Never once did I feel like I was entitled to my owner's profits. The entire time I worked for them, I knew that if I wanted that life, I had to go get that life. I had to do what they did.
And the people that either don't realize that, don't have what it takes to go do what they did, or failed at their attempt to do so, want to turn around and tell people like us now that they're entitled to our profits. You aren't entitled to shit. Nothing. Not a fucking dime. You're not even entitled to the sweat off my balls, but I'll at least give you that much. Unfucking believable. Unfucking believable. I, I don't even know what else to say about that. So I'm going to digress, chill, stop yelling in your ear, and go get ready to pack my shit up to go see my daughter and grandkids. Because at the end of the day, the shit that I do in order to bring money in, the shit that I do in order to build something that generates revenue, I do not only for my wife and I, but for them as well. While you're still bitching and moaning and complaining about how life didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to be, I will hopefully be passing something on to my kids and grandkids that will help sustain them in the future. Keep looking to take what other people have. My kids will determine whether or not to employ your kids. That's all I got for you this week, guys. I'll talk to you next week. By the way, uh, no January 6th hearing uh, news in this podcast because, as I said, I'm recording this on Thursday morning. As I'm wrapping this uh, episode up, it is 9.49 a.m. on Thursday morning. The hearings haven't even happened yet. So we're going to have to talk about any big news that comes out of the hearing uh, this week, next week, uh, next week's podcast episode, okay? All right, guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, go make sure you hit my website, uh, view all the pages, uh, uh, up and down uh, Follow me on the various social media sites Go follow me on my Instagram Subscribe to my YouTube channel And I'll see you guys next week Until then As always Stay grateful